You know, if you're with us for the first time, I'm just gonna just gonna warn you, we're a little different, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, we're a little different because if you heard that we are, this is how we're different. We're not afraid to stick around until three or four in the afternoon with no food, talking. Not everybody does it, but there's some. And all are invited to do that. I want you to know that. All are invited to be different. Stick around. Gets a little long by four o'clock if you have kids and they're saying, I'm hungry. On the verge of hangry. <laughs> but it's good. We are different. People love to stick around and talk. And, and that's a blessing. And um, not every church has that. Not every church has where you stick around and talk even for 30 minutes. Um, and, and I consider that a great blessing that that, that is Beecher Island. And uh, as I always say, Beecher Island is an independent, non-denominational, Jesus-loving Bible preaching church. And if that makes us different, I'm okay with that. Because I'm going to be in His truth. And I'm going to preach His truth. And if I ever preach something different, I'm calling you and challenging you to come and tell me. Let's go back to the Word. Let's look at it. Let's make sure that we're teaching truth. So in that, just some heads up. Creation Truth is coming this next week. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Um, Matt Miles will be bringing the word on Sunday morning for Sunday morning church. And uh, there's going to be some dinosaurs up here and some really cool stuff. And so I'll uh, be looking forward to that. Um, Sunday night, Monday night, uh, Tuesday night will be from 7 to 8. And then there'll be question and answer after. So uh, I'm going to encourage you to read Genesis 1 through 6 in preparation of that. And if you have questions, bring them. Because uh, these guys um, are pretty amazing. And uh, Matt Miles will be pretty awesome. And, and, uh, and uh, see if you can stump him, I guess, with a question. Uh, but bring him. Uh, also, I want to encourage this body um, to, to participate in Sunday school. We, we have Sunday school at 10 every Sunday morning. And all are invited to it. Uh, it is not a... Uh, it's not just for some, but it's for all. All who come and all who want to be a part of it, we invite you. We have uh, classes for all youth. And we also have a boring adult class in here that you're more than welcome to join and talk through that. So uh, but we would love to uh, to have you be part of Sunday School. And so um, uh, know that. And um, our teachers work, work hard uh, to bring the word to our kids. And uh, they do an awesome job every Sunday. And so uh, uh, bring your kids. Let me be a part of that. All right. John is where we're at. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. So open your Bibles there with me. John chapter 4. But before we go there, hopefully it's a memory verse by now. Why did John write these things? Why did he write them? He, he gives us great insight in John chapter 20 verse 31. And he says, these things are written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And believing, you'll have life in His name. That's why John wrote this gospel. And I want to make sure that when I bring it to you, that's the way I'm bringing it to you. Is to know that Jesus is the Christ. Let's go to him in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for... 
glory. Just calling us to praise you. Because in our praise to you, man, it just fills our hearts with joy. It fills our hearts with love because of who you are. And God, I thank you for that. I thank you for our worship, our music team, and just the, them leading us and, and singing praises to you. And what a blessing that is. And the talent that you just poured out in each one of them. Thank you. And thank you for them sharing that gift with us. God, I pray this morning that as the word is brought, uh, your word is brought, that our hearts are open, our ears are open, and we're just ready to be moved by you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so John chapter 4, we're going we're gonna to read verses one, uh, uh, 1 through maybe 42 or something like that. I don't know. I'll stop when I get there. But, but um, uh, I will tell you, we won't get through all 42 verses this morning. I tried. I just couldn't do it. Uh, so we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll read it and we'll come back to it. John chapter 4. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was, was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given it to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his flocks and his herds. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back to this water to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not, not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Leave me, woman. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You, Samaritan, worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. 
For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah, that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I will speak to you and he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him some food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and no reaps is true. I sent you, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefit of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed with them two days. And because of his word, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Amen, amen, right? God's word, it is good. I want to step back and look at the big picture for a minute. And then we're going to dive into this. Um, Jesus knows that there's a commotion going on. He knows that, the, that, that this commotion is with the Pharisees. And, and, and they, they thought that Jesus was, was baptizing and, and, and taking uh, more people than John. And, and we know that Jesus was not baptizing. But the Pharisees were having a great problem with this. And so Jesus leaves and heads for Galilee. The place that he performed the first miracle. There at the wedding, he was, that's where he was headed. And when you really start thinking about this, though, why did Jesus leave? Well, why would Jesus leave when people were coming to him and being baptized and, and, and people were coming out? Why would Jesus leave? You know, uh, we have to understand that the Pharisees were trying to cause division. They were trying to cause problems, and Jesus didn't want to do want to have anything to do with that. He didn't want division to be brought. And we have to understand that Jesus knew their hearts. He knew their hearts. He knew that their hearts were hardened. And so Jesus leaves for Galilee. And if we draw this picture in our mind of Jesus traveling, 
from Judea to Galilee. There is a, there's more to this than one might think. And I uh, was really drawn on this this week. And, and um, you see, the shorter route was to go through Samaria. But the Jews never went through Samaria. Ever. They would stay as far away from Samaria as they could. They would take the long way around to get from Judea to Galilee. But the word tells us that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Well, what was wrong with Samaria? If you go back to 2 Kings, we won't go there now, but I'll just kind of bring you up to speed on it. But you, you probably already know. But in, in 2 Kings, it tells us that uh, many different nations were brought to Samaria. King Assyria brought them there, and they were, they were a bunch of misfits. They, they worshipped all different kinds of gods. They each had their own god. Uh, once in a while, in 2 Kings, we can read that they feared the Lord, but yet they still worshipped their god, lowercase g, god. They, they were a mess. And the Jews wanted nothing to do with them. And really, Samaria wanted nothing to do with the Jews. And so they would not travel that shorter route because they wanted nothing to do with them. They wouldn't want to be around them. But yet the word says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. We already know that Jesus left because of the hardened hearts of the Jewish leaders. He was, he was leaving there and... They were rejecting His testimony. They were rejecting who He was, the Messiah. So when Jesus goes to Samaria and starts talking to this Samarian woman, I'm just going to throw it out there. Can we look at this as the door is opening? The door is opening to the Gentiles. This is the Gospel of John, and, it, and this will be the first time that really that door is being opened? Can we see this Samaritan woman as the door being opened by Jesus for the Gentiles? You know, Jesus gets to Jacob's well. And he sits down and he says he was tired. You know, I, I kind of like that. I think we look at Jesus as the Son of God. And it's okay to look at him as the Son of Man and that Jesus was tired. The God in him, the 100% God in him was not tired. But the 100% man in him was tired. And he sat down. And there's a detail that we get in verse 6. In verse 6 it says, it was about the sixth hour. And I think this is very important for us to understand because that means it was noon. It was, it was the heat of the day. It was the middle of the day. And, and just so for some insight, nobody came and got water on noon. It was hot. They would come in the morning when it was cooler in the evening. And so I think it's a, a point that John gives us to get us to understand that this was not normal. This was not normal that this woman comes to the well at noon. You know, uh, many say that it shows that this woman didn't want to be seen in public. Many say that this woman had uh, some issues going on, some struggles. And so in turn, she did not want to be seen by the community. 
She didn't want to have to talk to anybody. So she came at noon to draw water so she could sneak in and sneak back out and take water back to her home. You know, uh, my question to you is, have you ever been in that situation? Have you ever been in that situation where maybe you base your uh, going to somewhere off of if some person or some people are not going to be there? So you schedule your time based off of other people. You know I've been there and it's not a comfortable spot. It's not a comfortable spot to be because the bottom of that, a heart is hurting. A heart is hurting. But you know what? I, I absolutely believe that Jesus knew that this woman was coming to the well. And he knew at noon she would be there. I absolutely believe that he was there for her. Let me just say this. If your answer to my question was yes, Jesus knows your heart too. Jesus knows right where you're at. Jesus knows your struggles. And he is there for you. Just as we see, he's here for this Samaritan woman. We get to see quite a conversation take place between Jesus and this Samaritan woman. Jesus was at the well all by himself. His disciples had gone into town, the word tells us. He had nothing. When this Samaritan woman approaches the well, Jesus asks her for a drink. Verse 9. Because I want to read her reply. Verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Tells us, for Jews did not associate with Samaritans. It's just what I was talking about. They wanted nothing to do with them. And what, what a surprise to this woman. That a Jew was talking to her. Jesus asking for a drink. But he's doing more than asking her for a drink. He's doing way more than that. Guys, everybody in our world, many in our community, probably some in our own friend group, and maybe even some here at this church, feel the same way as a Samaritan woman. I feel just like her. Saying, Jesus, why are you associating with me? Why are you trying to touch me? Why are you trying to talk to me? You see, these people are looking in the mirror and uh, maybe not like what they're seeing. Saying, saying to Jesus, because of the person that I am, because of the past, why are you talking to me? Why are you reaching out to me? But Jesus gives this Samaritan woman and all people who associate with her an answer. Verse 10. Verse 10, Jesus answers and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water, everlasting life, heaven. Everything you ever possibly would need, I, I will give you. I will give you. Just like some of us, though, she doesn't understand. It. 
She doesn't grasp it. So, so she puts up some roadblocks. Makes some excuses. Throws a question in there. Verse 11. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you, where then do you get that living water? You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well and drank it of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus begins to explain the difference and what he was talking about. Verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of the water will thirst again. Jesus is saying that if you want to drink of the world, and if you want, to, you want to seek that, you will always be thirsty. You will not be filled with the things of the world. You'll always be looking for more. Always be seeking, always trying to find the next pleasure, the next high, and you'll never be filled. Verse 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Jesus is laying out his saving grace here. Jesus is, is laying it out here. The one and only way to the Father is through the Son. He's saying it's me. I have it all. I will pour it out to you. Jesus is saying it's not about here. It's not about this earth. It's not about this life that we're living now. The water that I give you is not only for now, but it's for everlasting life. It's for ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and more ever. It is good. You know, but the woman was like a lot like Nicodemus. She didn't understand. She could only think of worldly things. She couldn't understand the heavenly aspect of what Jesus was talking about. In verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that, so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back to draw water. That would have been really good for her, right? We know that she came at noon. We know that she was trying to avoid everybody. She was trying to sneak in and sneak out. And she's thinking, man, if I don't have to do that and I can just stay at home, never be thirsty. Yeah, I'll take some of that water. Yeah, Jesus, give me some of that water so I don't have to come back and face this world. Face whatever criticisms. Face whatever this world has to throw at me. And now Jesus starts to help her see that it's not the earthly things that he's talking about. The heavenly things. Verse 16. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. <clears throat> Let me just say, she did not speak a lie. She spoke absolute truth right there. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man that you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Jesus said, you're not lying. We may gain some understanding here as to why she came at noon. Why she was trying to hide from the public, the community. We live in a small town. We can understand that, can't we? 
Yeah. You know, I bet she felt like she was living in world. Living in sin if she understood that. But you know what? Jesus already knew that about her. And when I wrap my mind around that, we serve an awesome God. Jesus already knew that about her. Jesus already knew about her husbands. Jesus already knew that she was living with a man that she wasn't her husband. But he came to her. He specifically came to her. Getting her to realize she is loved. Getting her to realize that he was there for her. And that she had a choice. She had a choice. The choice of the world or the choice of him. The choice of the world and what it has to offer or the choice of the God of all creation. The God of everlasting life. You know, we are the Samaritan woman, aren't we? I am anyways. I'll speak for myself. We all have struggles in life. Sin that uh, we don't want anybody to know about. Sin that, that, that maybe weighed us down. Maybe a past that, that if anybody in this church found out about, you wouldn't want to show your face in here. A past maybe that no matter how hard you try to shove it down, it keeps on rearing its ugly face. And if we look at Jesus as only a prophet, that sin will continue to weigh us down. Yeah, we will never overcome the bondage of sin if we look at Jesus as only a prophet. But Jesus says in verse 21, Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me. Believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews, yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in, tr in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and he, His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. Jesus is saying it's not about the church. It's not about this building. It's not about the gathering of here. It's not about the rituals. It's not about religion. It's not about the name outside on the church. It's not about the theology. It's not about checking the box. And if we're just coming here on Sunday morning to check the box, you can check it at home. What he's saying is it's all about. It's all about the one who is all-knowing. It's all about the, the one who is perfect in all of his ways. It's all about the all-power. Christ, the Son of God. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. And therefore, those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. It's given him your heart. 
And Jesus is saying, you can worship me anywhere when you give me your heart. You can worship me anywhere. And those who believe on the Lord Jesus can worship at any time, any place. Never feel like you have to come to church in order to worship. We do worship and we do praise and we do lift Him up on high. But we better do that every day that ends in Y. Not just Sunday. Verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, I, the one speaking to you, I am He. Jesus says, I am, I am. I am, I am. These things are written so you may believe that Jesus is the Son, the Christ, the Son of God. And believing, you will have life in His name. All of us at one time, all of us at one time or another start to question. And if you don't, you're way better than me. We start to question our worth. We start to question uh, if, if we have too much of a past. We start to question Christ. And if His grace is sufficient, Will His grace cover me? Listen to me this morning. 1 John 4, 14 and 15. 1 John 14, 4, 14 and 15 says this. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. Amen, amen, right? If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. Period. It doesn't have anything after that. It's a period. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. This is Jesus' words here speaking. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul goes on to say, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. I'm going to invite the music team up. And I would love to keep preaching on this because I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw it out there now. This Samaritan woman, I'm not going to dance this time, but John, when John realized that he was the Messiah, I can't imagine what his heart was. And here this woman realizes that it's the Messiah. And we're going to talk about this in two weeks. So make sure you come back in two weeks. But she realizes that it's the Messiah. And the Word tells us that she left her water pot and took off running. When we realize that it's the Messiah, do we leave our water pot and take off running? You're going to hear this again. But are we running when we realize it's the Messiah that's given us life? This world doesn't give us life. This stuff here doesn't give us life. This church doesn't give us life. But the Son of God, the Christ, gives us life. He is the Messiah. And let me tell you today that you may have burdens that are weighing you down. You may have, you may have thoughts that the grace that Jesus pours out is not good enough for you. Or there's not enough of it for you. Or that you're not good enough to get that grace. 
But let me tell you, Jesus sought out this Samaritan woman. He sought her out. He said he had to go to Samaria. And he had to go because this woman was going to be there. And many others that needed his saving grace. You know, he made an example out of her. Telling her and the world that she was worthy of his grace. Worthy of it. And he seeks you. And he will make an example out of you too. If you'll let him. Today is the day to lay down the roadblocks. Today is the day to lay down the path, the past that keeps trying to come up and well up in you. Lay it down. And you don't got to drag Charlie along with you anymore. Let him be back there by himself. Lay it down and acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And that He is the Christ. And that it is in Him that you have life. Let me encourage you today to do that. Jesus is Christ, the Son of God. And that if you believe that, you have life in His name. Amen? Everlasting life. So if you're making that confession today, I'm going to pray with you. If you're making the confession that Jesus is Lord, that you want that everlasting life, I want to pray with you in the back. If you're struggling with making that decision, if you still have those roadblocks and you're saying, I don't know about this whole deal, come back to the back as we stand and sing, because I want to talk with you, I want to pray with you. We've all been there. We can talk through it. If you've made that decision, let's get you baptized. Claiming to the world that Jesus is Christ. Let's go to Him in prayer. Father God, I thank You so much. I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for Your love. I thank You that, thank you, that you came to this earth to save me. Period. And You say, Whosoever, whosoever calls on Your name, whosoever believes in You, will have life. True life. A life that we can't even imagine here on earth because it will be so great. I thank you for that, Jesus. I thank you for dying for us. I thank you for the story of this Samaritan woman that we can see you open the door for us. For us to have true life. Lord, we can see that this woman was not perfect. <laughs> she, she, we are her. And I thank you that you show that you love the sinner. But when we come to you, you make us a saint. It's all you, Jesus. God, I just pray if anybody's struggling this morning, struggling in sin, struggling with, with whatever is going on in their life, struggling with, with uh, just life. Lord, I want to pray for them right now. And lift them up. God, if there's anybody struggling with just giving their heart to you, Pray that their heart softens and they just open up to you. Man, it's good to know Jesus said you, you love us and you want to be with us for eternity. And it's in your name, Jesus, that I pray. Amen. Stand and sing with us. If you need prayers, please come to the back. I and the elders will be back there.